This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hello, auto enthusiasts. <laughs> hey, it's Greg Stanley. I am just going to cover the 43 most shocking results at Monterey Car Week. Monterey is over. <laughs> I didn't get to go. I want to go. It's on my bucket list. I hope to go next week. I'm going to try to, not next week, next year. I'm going to try to go next year. And today, I'm just going to talk about some of the highlights. Going to run through a bunch of cars, 43 cars to be precise. I probably missed a few things, but a lot of interesting things happened out there at Pebble Beach and the auctions. I haven't even seen who won the actual car show. There is a car show out there. It's called Pebble Beach Concourse d'Elegance. You should check it out. It's really cool. I have not even checked that out. You know, honestly, all the news has been from everything around the actual car show, which is kind of interesting. Well, please be sure to rate us on iTunes. Uh, They recently changed their format where clicking the stars matters a lot to increase visibility. We were ranked as high as number 36 a couple weeks ago as far as automotive podcasts, which was pretty cool. Like to get to number 35. That would be pretty cool. And please share with your friends if you like what I'm doing. So like I said, there was a lot of drama, drama, there was a lot of drama at Monterey, and I'm going to touch on some of the sales or no sales that are impacting the collector car marketplace. I will also call out the ones that were a part of the collector car contest. We do not have one of those going on right now. This one just finished. There'll probably be one more by the end of the year. So go to the collectorcarpodcast.com to see what's going on. Congratulations to Jim from Ohio for winning about $200 worth of Star Wars autograph cards. So those are on their way. And as always, all the links for all of these cars, with the exception of the Sotheby ones, for some reason they haven't posted their results yet. Uh, they'll be on my blog at thecollectorcarpodcast.com. Uh, we're going to start, we're going to kind of do this by large groups of cars or brands. So I'm going to start with Porsche because my number one car I was tracking for the whole weekend was the 1939 Type 64, which was not called a Porsche until 10 years after it was made. A lot of controversy on this car. Chris Harris drove it, which was pretty interesting. He seemed to love the car. ton of history about the car. I guess it had been floated around for years, people trying to sell it. And controversy as to whether or not it's really the first Porsche or it's more like the first VW Bug. So a lot of controversy, and it did not help things that during the actual auction process... They had a snafu. They said it was a technical snafu. I think someone couldn't understand someone else's accent because when they said 17 million, they put 70 million up as far as what the bid was. So it started at like 13 million. The the screen said 30 million. They went to 14 million, went to the screen said 40 million. So they shut it down uh, at 17 million is the unsold hammer price. I think the reserve was around... 20 million. So pretty interesting. I thought this would sell for a lot more initially when I thought it was the very first Porsche. That's the way RM Sotheby's lists it. And then once all the controversy came out, uh, it made sense that it would not hit the hammer price or the reserve of $20 million. Now the next car, the next Porsche was at Bonhams, a 1959 Porsche 718 RSK center seat spider. This is another no sale. Boy, can I pick them. And this one was also for the collector car podcast. Uh, contest. This one was most of these sell for like high two two point nine mil to three point four mil. 
This one was unsold at 3.7 mil. So it makes you think, what were they thinking? They should have sold that car because that was high on the estimate range. Uh, the next car is a, from Gooding is a 1991 Singer Porsche or Porsche as redesigned by Singer. Uh, if you go to Petrolicious and check out the, what's it called? The Indiana one, the Indiana. I actually helped film that video outside of Cincinnati with that Porsche Singer, which is pretty cool. So this was pretty interesting because everybody was wondering what is the real price on these? Because if you want to buy one new, they were like 350 grand, 500 grand, 600 grand for a new one, but there's like a three year wait. And so if you want to buy one now, today, have it tomorrow, what would that cost you? And this one actually sold for a little bit over, I think it was 800 grand. Folks were thinking it would hit a million, it hit 800. So that's where this current market is for this car. Another one that blew my mind, and I really want to look into a little bit more at Sotheby's, was a 1967 Porsche 911 S. So the estimate was 250 grand to 325 grand, a silver car, and it had the side view mirror lights up on the fender towards the front. This one sold for $912,000. So, you know, it tripled, actually, more than tripled. Let's see my quick math here. It tripled the estimate which is really interesting. So I want to find out why. And one of the reasons I want to find out why is that when I got my silver 996 fixed locally at P3 Autocraft up near Dayton, Ohio, they were servicing three of the cars that are coming up for the RM Sotheby's uh, Tajma Garage, worst name ever, Tajma Garage Porsche sale coming up. And one of those cars was in there and it was a 1967 Porsche 911S silver with the side view mirror, mirror lights up on the front fenders. So even a better car, because it was this one in, that's up there is actually all original paint, had a lot of cool options on it, has a factory luggage rack, some really cool stuff. So I want to find out why this one sold for triple auction estimate. And maybe this will happen again in September, which I will be there live. So I'll try to do some Instagram live feeds while I'm there. And then the next four... Uh, all were from Meekum, and they were all Porsche 935s, and they all did not sell. So what is going on with the 935 market? I don't know 935s that well. I think they're not even road legal, which might be one of the reasons. But Adam Carolla famously bought one for, I think it was like $4.5 million, and he was racing it at Monterey this past weekend, a red one with the Apple. I think it has the Apple logo on it. I can't remember. But anyways, one of them was a 1982 Roof uh, Car and Driver Magazine test car did not sell at 280 grand. Another one was one that was reportedly built for Mario Andretti did not sell at 285. There was a long windshield one from 1985. I don't know why that's desirable. You want a long windshield? I don't know. It probably doesn't look as cool. Did not sell for 310. And then a 1992, which was the last air cooled 935, did not sell at 275. That was actually the coolest looking one. So I want to dig into these 935s a little bit more so I understand them better. So I can help you all out. But that, four of them, none of them sold. So I don't know what's going on there. Now, switching to Ferraris, a lot of the big Ferraris did not sell. Uh, Mecham, I want to say Mecham's a great place to sell a Ferrari. Oh, they only sold five of their 17 at Mecham. I think of Mecham as more as a hot rod muscle car kind of auction house. Law Ferraris were selling, though. I think all the Law Ferraris except for one of them sold. The biggest ticket price that did not sell was actually Dana Mecham's very own 1954 slash 1959 Ferrari. Um, it says it's a 0432M. Now, this is an interesting car. This, is, again, was a part of the collector car contest. 
the estimate range, I don't know. I thought it would sell somewhere around $7 million initially. And then one thing that, about this car is it was rebodied by Ferrari in 59. That's why it kind of has two years on it. Had an engine swap. Uh, if you look at the history on 250 cars, the 250 GTs, the short wheelbase, they usually go for around 10 to $11 million. A Europa would go for around $2 million. So, you know, everything you look at on this car is it should have been in the 10 million or under range. Now, the big difference is, is it was fitted with the pontoon fenders that the Testarossa received. Now, Testarossas are $25 million cars, $30 million cars. So apparently Dana thought this was a $25 million car uh, because it was bidded up to $20 million and he did not sell it. So that guy must have a, a large bankroll to pass on $20 million when I thought it should have hammered sold for, I don't know, 12, 13 million, something like that. So that was a very interesting one to watch. You can watch that on their YouTube channel on the Friday sales. Uh, a couple other Ferraris. Gooding had a F50 that was unsold at 2.4 million. Estimate was a little bit higher than that. Haggerty value is under 2 million. So you would think 2.4 would be more than enough money. But this one only had, I think, like 3,000 miles on it. Gooding also had a 1958 Ferrari uh 250 gt tour de france which was a gorgeous car it was red white stripe down the middle it sold for 5.1 mil which was interesting because the estimate was 5.5 to 6 mil so it sold under estimate but the haggerty value on this car was 9.4 mil so i'm like well why would the estimate be four million dollars less so i'd like to do a little bit more research on that car a one-off ferrari sergio was on sold at 1.9 mil which was interesting as well because this is a rebodied, I think it was like a Ferrari 458, you know, a newer Ferrari that was rebodied by Ferrari. So you would think that would be worth a lot of money. It was actually a pretty, a pretty attractive car. It did not sell. One of the big Ferraris, a 62 Ferrari 400 Super America, did not sell for $3 million at Gooding. Sotheby's also had a big Ferrari, a 275 GTB. It did not sell at two point five. It was a million dollars underneath the estimate. And then uh, one of our other contest cars was a 19, from Gooding, 1958 Ferrari 250 GT long wheelbase California Spider. The estimate was like 11 to 13 million, and it sold at 9.9. So sold significantly under the estimate, significantly under Haggerty's condition number one rating of 15 million. So that is trending down as well. There was another one, a short wheelbase. I don't think I captured it here. But it did not. It sold as well for like a million dollars underestimate. So all the big, big Ferraris were selling low. Uh, then I also want to make a mention of the Super America, the 2000s, 2005 Ferrari 575 Super Americas. Most of those did not sell either. I have two examples, which is interesting because they were four to five hundred grand, and now they're no sales at 280, 240. Um, one of them only had five thousand miles on it which is kind of crazy. So I love those cars. I don't like them with the top up because they look weird, but with the top down, they're really sweet. Uh, they did not sell. A Ferrari F50 did not sell at $2.8 million, which seems like all the money in the world. And the last Ferrari I mentioned was not really a Ferrari at all, but it was the fake Ferrari from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of the best movies ever. That's the reason I fell in love with California. Uh, short wheelbase, long wheel, wheelbase Ferraris was because of that movie. And I think that movie, it had a, a 350 Chevy engine in it. Well, this particular one, the estimate was only like 330, which is a lot of money, but it was uh, it was an unsold at like 275. So that was a little bit surprising because that's such an iconic movie. There might have been more of a murky past on that car, 
which is why it did not sell. I know some things had changed, like the vents on the side. They were three vents instead of four. So maybe it changed just enough that they were questioning the provenance of the car. So I do have a list of, that was the Ferraris and the Porsches. I do have a list of some interesting all other cars that did or did not sell. Let's see here. Make sure my computer isn't turning off. All right. These next ones are from Sotheby's and I apologize on the blog. These links are not included because they're not posted yet, but I will try to update it with the link so you can see all this live. Well, kind of live. So James Bond's Aston Martin DB5 sold for 6.4 million. And this was interesting because I don't know which one this is. I don't know if there was one or if there were three. There is one here in Cincinnati in a private collection that sold for, I think, 5.5 with fees. On, you know, It was like four years ago, and it made all the news, all the headlines. So I don't know if that is this car, and it was sold and realized 6.4, or if it was another James Bond uh, Aston Martin from the same time frame. And then one of the, their, their big Aston Martins, the DB3S, uh, one of their racing ones, uh, sold for 7.5, which was 2 or $3 million underneath the estimate, which was surprising. And one thing that was really interesting, I'd never heard of it before in my life, a Furviz Ranger, a little cute little, almost looks like a little, I don't know, kitty go-kart ride. Uh, they were estimated to sell it for 30 to 40 grand. It sold for 196 grand. That was just nuts. So that's when, you know, you've got billionaires at these auctions that just want to have something cute. They start bidding against each other. For them, it's pocket change. For you and me, it's all the money in the world. Uh, there was a 1971 Mercedes 280 SL. I bring this up because these are typically $100,000, $120,000 cars. The estimate was one forty five to one sixty five, which I thought was high. It sold for two forty one, and when I looked at the pictures, I, I see why. It was a gorgeous green color with like a light green convertible top and a tan interior. It just totally worked. It was totally gorgeous, so it almost doubled the low estimate, which was really nuts. Uh, big big ticket item was a 1994 McLaren F1. It's one of the one of two, I think, extremely original ones. Sold for 19.8 mil. Again, it was underestimate. Uh, the estimate was 21 to 23 mil. And then a Lancia Rally Stradale did not sell at 420 grand. This one was interesting because I keep on hearing more and more about the Group B cars, uh, the Lancias, how they're on an upward trend. Some big ones have sold recently, and this was a gorgeous one, and it did not sell. Uh, 1996 Vector M12, if you're not familiar with this car, uh, it took the, it's Generation 2 of the Vector. Vector 1 was the orig original ones that were really cool, angular, shark-like. Andre Agassi famously had one that burnt up, uh, caught on fire and burnt up. This was the Gen 2, and they had Lamborghini Countach engines. I was able to tour the factory in Green Cove Springs, Florida, back in 1991-ish. I took some pictures behind the scenes. I'll post them on Instagram, so check those out at the Collector Car Podcast. This one did not sell at 120 grand, which to me is the exact price for this car. This is what this car should have sold for. For some reason, the estimate was 250 to 300 grand. They're not extremely attractive from the front. They look like a whale shark is approaching you, but they have the Lamborghini Diablo or a Countach. No, no, Diablo, Diablo engine. And I remember when I went to the factory and I took pictures of these cars as they were being built. They only built 12 or 14 of them. And there's two of them here in Cincinnati, a yellow one and a red, white, and blue one with the Statue of Liberty on the hood, which is extremely tacky. <laughs> but uh, they said that the engine alone cost $37,000. And this is back in like 1992 or one. 
the 2019 McLaren Senna did not sell at 1.2. Someone trying to do a quick flip. They probably paid 1.2 for it. I think they're still ugly. They were one of the honorable mentions in my last podcast, the ugliest cars at uh, Monterey that are still awesome. That episode fell off for some reason, so I'm going to repost it when this one reposts. So if you didn't check it out, be sure to check it out. Mercedes Gullwing was unsold at 1.3. They wanted 1.5. I think the Gullwing market has topped out. It's always been around 1.1, 1.2. I saw like three or four of them didn't sell, and they were asking 1.5 to 1.8. I'm like, where are you getting your numbers from, people? Uh, what else? Um, Gooding had an E-type I want to look into because typically if it's a E-type, uh, type, I forgot what they called it. The early ones, the flat floor, the outside hood hinges, they're, you know, 260, 250. This one sold for 380 or something. So I want to look in to see what's going on with that one. There were some inter- interesting 1965 Ford Mustang Shelby GT350s that were sold. Sotheby's had two. One sold for 340, which with the original engine, that's all the money. Another one sold for 418. And I want to look into this one because there had to be something special. This one did not have the Krager wheels. It had the factory steel wheels. It was uh, Le Mans Stripe Delete. So it looked like it might have been something special. I want to look into that one. And then Meekum actually sold one for 121 grand, which sounds really out of place when I just mentioned 340 and 418. But it looked like it was a Bitza. So it was made a bit of this, a bit of that. If you read the description, the entire car had been rebodied. Like not one piece of metal was still worth keeping. And they said, in the engine bay is the, or it didn't say original, it said the 289, 306 horsepower V8 engine. Well, yeah, it's is it the original or is it the fake one? They didn't clarify. So when they don't clarify, you have to assume it had a fake engine. So it was probably like a, a salvage title shell of a car that had the right VIN number, and that's why it went for 121. Uh, Russo and Steel had a 65 Shelby Cobra 289. This was again part of our contest. And if you're keeping track, this is car number 34 of 43. And this one was a rack and pinion car, red. It was gorgeous. I thought it would sell for around 950. It sold for 962.5. So I was really close on that one. And then I just run through some of the ugly, awesome cars that uh, were in the podcast as far as the ugliest cars. There was a 1920, Mecham 1927 Ford California Star. I saw this one sell online, but it disappeared from their website. So I don't remember what happened. I can't remember what it sold for. It was really low, though. Like, I want to say it sold for 70 grand when the estimate was like 350 or something. Uh, there was a, a Mecham, a 1951 Studebaker Manta Ray. It went unsold for 190. This thing was so ugly. And uh, the estimate was 200 to 300 K. And then there was a Mecham again, a 1993, sorry, 1933 Chevrolet Alex Tremulus design car, and it disappeared. I can't find it anywhere, and this thing was so ugly, and it looked like a, a World War I plane that had lost its wings in its front end, and a Vic Razor had been put on the front. Just ugly. Uh, Russo and Steel had a 2016 Ariel Atom that is ugly but awesome. It was unsold at 65K. I, I, everything I pick seems to be unsold or disappears from the catalog. I don't know what's up with that. And Gooding had an Allard 1953 J2X Lama. I said everything from the hood back was gorgeous, but it had like a goiter uh, puff, puffed up hood. It just looked horrible. 
It was unsold at 290 versus an estimate of 450 to 600. And then the last one at Bonhams was a 1952 Seattle, and it was unsold at 710. It had a huge ugly snout on it. Everything else was gorgeous. Estimate was 850 to 950. And then some of the runner-ups, the another McLaren Senna was unsold at just over a mil. Estimate was 1.3 to 1.6. And uh, oh, there was a Delahaye, a 1947 Delahaye at Mecham. And it was unsold at 2.6 million. And again, it just had an ugly snout. So that's a lot of money for an ugly car. Now, in looking back at all this, two things that really popped out for me is that James Bond, his Aston Martin is sold overestimate at 60 million. Ferris Bueller, on the other hand, was unsold under their estimate at 300 grand. So what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> I guess the folks that liked James Bond have a lot more disposable income than the folks that liked Ferris Bueller. That's probably a good call. Anyways, thanks for joining us again. We're going to have some more collectors coming up. I'm going to review uh, a 19, I think it's a 1959 Porsche Carrera Speedster that has had the same owner for almost 60 years. And not that I'm keeping up with Porsche folks, but I went to the Porsche meeting the other night, so I got some leads. I have a local collector who has 10 Porsches. One of them was sold to Jerry Seinfeld. And the other one is actually in Porsche's museum in Germany. That's how significant these two cars were. So we'll find out more about those cool Porsches he's had over the past. He doesn't have them right now, which would be really cool. But those will be coming up soon. So I will talk to you all again next week or this Thursday, sooner than you may think. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.